your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, November 11th, 2020, Veterans Day. Want to definitely shout out to our veterans. I know anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows that we don't thank the veterans enough. We do it 4th of July. We do it on Memorial Day. We do it on Veterans Day. We do it on days that are specified to talk about veterans, and I'm guilty of it myself. I don't do it enough, but definitely want to thank all the veterans out there for everything that they've done, and regardless of who you are, what you look like, what you believe, what your religion, what kind of, uh, you know, what, what kind of party you belong to as far as, like, your, uh, you know, your voting, and I don't even know what it's called, but it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, Republican, if you're neither, it doesn't matter. Uh, veterans are very important to all of us. I mean, that's one thing that we can all agree on, uh, you know, the sacrifices that you have made uh, so people like me knuckleheads like me could have a radio show and talk every day whether you agree with me or not is just unbelievable so uh, definitely want to thank all the veterans first and foremost for everything you've done again to uh, provide a, a path for someone like me to be able to do uh, whatever I basically want to do and uh, you know be able to excel at it so thank you so much uh, appreciate yourself on today uh, make sure you soak it in and hopefully a lot of people besides just myself thank you for your services and everything everything you've done so again to all the veterans salute um you know i just saluted you in the air and though no, you didn't see it but it's <laughs> it is exactly what i did definitely appreciate you and before i tell you about what's coming up on today's show want to tell you about a couple great sponsors here first it's sahara las vegas been talking about them for a while it is the best place to stay play and watch the game in vegas with exclusive locked on offers at saharalasvegas.com slash locked on raiders and uh, it is one of the title sponsors. I'll tell you much about them uh, later on in the show. And I also want to tell you about Pepsi. Thanks to, a lateral, thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, and that is the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch it. Pepsi's a refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Make sure you go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So coming up on today's show, segment number three, calls, texts, and tweets, Locked On Raider Podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That's 707-654-4693. Not to mention my Twitter account, at your boy Q254. You want to get uh, your message onto the show, definitely uh, hit me up that way, and I'll try to get as many of those on as possible. Got a lot of feedback on uh, both, on the Locked On Raider Podcast voicemail line and by way of Twitter. So I'm going to try to get on as much as possible. So that's going to come up in segment number three. In segment number two, I wasn't too sure what I was going to do today. I thought about uh, giving a midseason report card on the Raiders. Uh, I can do that a little bit later on in the week. But on Tuesday, I actually had an opportunity to be on Cofield and 
company on ESPN Las Vegas. Anyone who's been listening to this show for quite a while knows that that's the end-all, be-all goal for me. Want to end up on ESPN Las Vegas. Raider Nation Radio is great, but I really want to be on ESPN Las Vegas. So any opportunity I have to be on there and showcase my skills and see what I can do on that station is always something I get pumped up for. So had an opportunity to talk to Cofield and company on Tuesday, and I thought the interview went really, really well. Uh, talked about the Raiders, talked about you know last week's game against the Chargers, talked about the upcoming game against the Broncos, talked about Henry Ruggs, talked about the defense, talked about some decision-making by John Gruden. I mean, a lot of different things we covered, a lot of different conversations. So I thought that was really, really good. So I'm going to bring that to you in segment number two. Here in segment number one, like I do on the daily, I'm going to give you the news and the notes of the day. The first piece of news I wanted to bring to you had to do with Rico Gafford. He was a guy that I talked about that was released from the Raiders roster earlier this week. Well, the Raiders re-signed him to the practice squad as of Tuesday. They put out a, a piece and sent out an email saying, we have re-signed wide receiver Rico Gafford to the practice squad. And every single week in the NFL in 2020, uh, every team can actually protect four players. So you have four guys on the roster that you could say they're going to be on our practice squad and no other team could come and get them. Well, this week, the Raiders have protected Rico Gafford, who they just re-signed, defensive end David Irving, who sounds like he's still a couple weeks away from actually getting into some real game action, defensive end Chris Smith, who's actually made an impact. He was a big-time player for that Chiefs game in week five, and then kicker Dominic Eberle. So Rico Gafford, the wide receiver, David Irving, defensive end, Chris Smith, the defensive end, and kicker Dominic Eberle, all protected this week by the Raiders on the practice squad. Also wanted to bring you some news that's happened around the NFL. On Monday, defensive end Tack McKinley was released from the Falcons. He was put on waivers, and I thought he was going to go on waivers immediately on Monday, meaning he had to be claimed by 4 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. But instead, uh, that was not true. He actually was waived and put on waivers on Tuesday. So that means that the teams actually have till 4 p.m. Eastern time today to claim him off waivers and a lot of people hit me up and was like Q should the Raiders put in a bid for him should they try to uh, you know get him and I say yeah absolutely no doubt about it I just don't think he'll be there when the Raiders uh, pick because right now after the trade deadline one he has to go through waivers and any team can claim him and if they're uh, higher in the draft order and if their record is not as good you know if they say at the Jets if the Jets want him they can have him they got the first overall pick uh, if the Cowboys want him they could have him number two because of based off their record and I think the Jaguars are number three. Uh, the Raiders sitting at five and three. They're not anywhere close to the top. So if the Raiders want Tack McKinley, they're going to hope that nobody else wants them. And I do think that would be smart. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a guy who's been in the league since 2017. He's a California native. He was from uh, Oakland, California. He went to high school in Richmond. Uh, UCLA was uh, where he went to college at. And in 2017, he was drafted in the first round, number 26 overall. And that was in Philadelphia. And I remember that draft like it was yesterday. That was the draft that the Raiders picked uh, Garyon Conley, number 24 overall. I was standing at the bottom of the Rocky Steps there in Philadelphia where the draft was at. And I was angry when the Raiders picked him. And then I remember two picks later, Tack McKinley gets drafted drafted by the Falcons and he comes out with a picture of his grandma in his hand and he came out he had tears in his eye and he thought oh man this is going to be like a really good moment and then immediately he starts like cursing at Deion Sanders and I'm so close to the stage I'm literally at the bottom of the stairs I can hear every word he's cursing and Deion Sanders is trying to keep the microphone away from his face and it just I mean you could just hear him and he was so angry and he wanted to prove it to the world that he was really the man and that you know getting picked 26 overall uh, everyone you know slept on him and all this stuff and he's been okay not gonna lie since 2017 he's been okay he's got 17 and a half sacks since 2017 which is which is good 
But he's only played one full season. That was his rookie season. He played all 16 games. Uh, the next year, he only played 15 games. And then the year after that, 14 games. And so far this year, he's only played four games. And he has one sack so far. So he's fallen out of favor, obviously, in Atlanta. He called them out at the trade deadline and was saying that, you know, he, he asked to be traded last year. They didn't make a move. Uh, he asked to be traded this year. He didn't make a move, even though teams were calling on him. He called the teams clowns on Twitter. I mean, he seems like a very much malcontent uh, that happened in Atlanta. And I don't know if that just happened to be with Atlanta or that's just who he is so I know the Raiders haven't really had a lot of luck with guys that have kind of an edge to them like that but at the end of the day I think if they were to put a claim in on him again I don't think that they'd get him I don't think they'd be awarded him because I think some team like the Jets Cowboys uh, Jaguars some team that's way ahead of them would probably get him they'd probably put a claim in on him because I think he's a pretty decent player uh, but I don't think it would hurt. And if, if, the, if the Raiders put a claim in on him and they got him, then great. You see what you got from him. He's a, a free agent at the end of the year. So if you like him, you can keep him around. If not, you can let him walk. And if he ends up signing a big-time contract somewhere else, then you can get a compensatory pick. So I'd be okay with the Raiders signing, or not signing, but putting a waiver uh, claim in on Tack McKinley, defensive end, formerly of the Falcons. And one more little nugget I wanted to bring to the show here today on the Locked On Raiders podcast on this November 11th, 2020 Veterans day uh the nfl owners they had some things passed their way on uh, on tuesday one was about the expanded playoffs and so they all voted to expand the playoffs to 16 teams if games were affected negatively affected by COVID 19 so it's not like a guarantee there's going to be 16 teams but if they uh if there's some games that are postponed and delayed and and not happen because of COVID 19 then the playoffs could be expanded right now the raiders they're cooking with grease man they're sitting in the number six hole in the playoffs, so they should be in the playoffs just like I talked about on Tuesday's show. Uh, they should expect the playoffs, but nothing is guaranteed. They're sitting in good position right now for the playoffs, regardless if there's 14 teams or 16 teams, but there is a possibility and a chance that the uh, NFL playoffs are 16 games this season if something is negatively affected by COVID-19. But also the NFL owners, they pass along and they called it a resolution that would reward teams with two third-round compensatory picks if they develop a minority coach or executive who is hired as another team's head coach or GM. So let's put it like this. If the Chiefs offensive coordinator, uh, Eric Bieniemy, who's a black guy, uh, gets a head coaching job this offseason, let's just be blunt about it. If he gets a head coaching job this offseason, the Chiefs would receive a third-round pick in 2021 and 2022 because they, in air quotes, developed him. And I think that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life as a black man I would not want to be, well, hey, I developed you. Like, if I go on from ESPN Central Texas and then go on to ESPN Las Vegas, I would hate for them to say, well, since you developed a black guy and he got a job somewhere else, we're going to give you this. Like, that's the biggest slap in my face that I could ever take. And I know some people think it's okay, and I get it. Like, the idea, the principle behind it is okay, but the execution is stupid. It's like, hey, by the way, uh, if you lose a black guy or you lose a guy of color, we're going we're gonna to give you some kind of draft pick for it. But if you lose a white guy, then you don't get anything. Like, we don't want extra benefits. We've never asked for extra benefits. All we want is an even playing field. Whatever is good for you, it should be good for us. I mean, simple as that. That's how it is. I don't want to be the guy who, like I said, if ESPN Central Texas, who I got my first sports radio job with, if all of a sudden I go somewhere else, ESPN Las Vegas, I would, you know, hate for them to say, well, since we hired a, a, a guy away from this job, we're going to give you so-and-so in compensation because, well, he's black. 
You know what I mean? Like, are you kidding me? You're taking all the credibility away from that I busted my tail off to get that job. Instead, you're just basically like sounding like I'm a charity, you know, char- like some kind of charity. I can't stand it. I think it's a terrible idea. We talked about it on Raider Nation Radio 920 on a Tuesday afternoon. It, it just it makes me angry that this is what it's come to. And I get it. They're trying to to correct something that is an issue. Uh, not enough minority head coaches, not enough minority front office guys. I get it. But NFL, I'm sorry. This is not the way to get it done. Please. Listen to the people that you're trying to affect. Listen to the people that look like me. We don't want charity. We don't want a handout. We just want an even playing field. So that's all I got for you for segment number one, news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, you'll hear that conversation I had on ESPN Las Vegas with Cofield and company Tuesday afternoon talking all things Raiders. Even dipped into a little bit of Monday Night Football uh, conversation. A lot of good stuff. You'll hear that coming up in segment number two. Before I get into that, though, I want to tell you about protecting my family and how you can protect your family. And we all know that is the number one priority. No matter what language you say it in, it is the numero uno, number one priority. But doing it safely is also a priority. The people at Taser believe the safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight, enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment, or if you're a lady, in your purse. And they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry super unnecessary risk for you and those around you. Pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker, and it's very ineffective at times. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, which gives you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. And you're probably wondering, well, how are they going to do that? Well, Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting, emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS location upon firing. Yeah, you got it. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with the Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. Protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code NFL. Save 15% now at taser.com, promo code NFL. Again, spelled Taser, T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code NFL. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Segment number two, it is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into my interview I did on uh, Cofield and Company from ESPN Las Vegas Tuesday afternoon. I usually jump on with them every Tuesday afternoon at 4.15 Pacific Standard Time. Always love talking some Raiders, talking NFL in general, just talking whatever, man. It's always a pleasure to be on with Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. So here is our conversation, mainly talking about the Raiders, talking about last week's performance over the Chargers, and also looking forward to uh, Den Denver, talking about Henry Ruggs and a little bit more. So here's that conversation from Cofield and Company on Tuesday afternoon. Raiders are having a good season. They're on an uptick. They have a chance to make the playoffs. Really good first half considering how difficult the schedule was. Guy who covers the Raiders every day over on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Two o'clock start to a show. It's Q Myers. Hey, Q. Hey, man. How you guys doing today? I hear you're happy. I am. And I know it's weird that, you know, you root for a team to lose, but, you know, sometimes... 
that's reality that you're just much better off winning, you know, one, zero, one, two, or three games. I know it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. No, I mean, it is reality. And both those teams that you were talking about, man, the Jets and the Patriots, they both stink. You know, neither one of those teams deserved to win that game last night, and the Patriots found a way to do it. But it was like an exciting game. It's like competitive game, but two bad teams and a lot of bad play calling. I just hope the Raiders, you know, do enough to get, you know, four or five wins and make sure that they're in the playoffs, get those four or five wins in the second half yep. so that they don't have to look back at the Patriots game and go, oh, oof, yeah, that's a game we could have won. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And I'm with you. I think they need to win five. You know, I, I think that you have to get 10 wins in this league to make it into the playoffs. And I know that it's expanded this year to 14, but I feel like you're comfortable if you get 10 wins on the season. The Raiders clearly halfway there, five and three, with a rough part of the schedule already behind them, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, but you got to go out there each and every game and, and feel like, hey, I got to go out there and make sure we win this game. And I know that every game is not a must win. I'll never call every game of must win but while you're playing at home while you're playing division games while you're playing teams that you are better than and you know you're better than you can't have losses to the Patriots you can't have losses to the Jets shouldn't have losses to the Broncos you know games like that you should be winning those games now there's a reason why you play the game because it's not that easy you just can't just check it off in the box in the win box but you should go out and get those dubs should's an important word Q because the Chargers should have beaten the Raiders on Sunday, but when it comes time to get your playoff spot, nobody asks what you should have done. Uh, what did you think of what happened down the stretch there with the Raiders where they're up 28-26, they decide to kick the field goal, and then Anthony Lynn manages to screw up the clock to the point where the Raiders, you know, make a couple plays at the end on defense and are able to pull it out. Yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, going back to that word should, I don't think that that game should have been that close. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that the Raiders yeah. had multiple opportunities to kind of step on their neck and, and close the door on them, and they didn't allow them to do that. They didn't do that. They allowed them to stick around, and then that's when that opportunity arose. Now, I'll say, you know, it's one of those pick your poisons when it comes to, you know, the kicking the field goal and going up five points. If you don't kick the field goal and you just go for it and you just go for the jugular get try to get a touchdown and you don't score well then a field goal beats you and so it's like you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't you know and and uh I, I felt okay knowing that okay the only way the Chargers win this game is if they score a touchdown the the problem I had is the way they got down the field so stinking quickly and the defense just allowed these guys to run wild and guys like Keenan Allen you should always have a target on his back where he's gonna be at all times you just can't let him get loose for 19 20 25 yards that's ridiculous, but they did it. And so all of a sudden, we're up there. Everyone in Raider Nation is up there with their, their chest pounding, their heart coming out their chest, wondering, okay, how's this going to end from the two-yard line? And it, it luckily for the Raiders, came out on the right end of it. But man, oh man, if it hadn't, there would have been a lot of second-guessing on Monday. And there's still a lot of second-guessing, even though they did come up with the win. Interesting game offensively, I thought, for the Raiders' Q. I thought they were pretty conservative in the first half. And then... John Gruden flipped to a different play page of the playbook in the third quarter and brought out some of the big shots and got them that lead. Uh, I've been impressed with the way Derek Carr has thrown the ball down the field 
And it seems to me like that was one of the more efficient offensive games that the Raiders have played. I agree. I agree. And I think early in the game, they were kind of doing the feeling out process. You know, it's almost like one of those uh, standing in the middle of the ring and just kind of sparring and and seeing what you can get from the opponent and what they're going to allow you to do. And the run game was cooking early. So I wasn't I wasn't uh, like opposed to what they were doing in the run game. Uh, Booker was running well. Jacobs was running well. And so I'm thinking, okay, if that's how it's going to be cool. But I think that what happened, guys, is when Derek Carr fumbled that ball at the end of the, the first half and then the Chargers were able to get that field goal to go up 17-14, I think that that pissed everybody off a little bit. I think that that really kind of grinded at those guys. Like, they made such a mistake and allowed them to score points and go up instead of being tied at halftime. And I think they said, you know what? We're going to make a couple adjustments here and there, and we're going to we're gonna open this thing up. And they did. And, and Derek Carr was able to hit a couple deep balls, one to Hunter Renfro and one to Nelson Aguilar, who's been I mean, he's just been great as a free agent pickup man he was one of the guys I I thought was going to be uh you know at least effective if if not even on the team I I was surprised that he made the roster but man lo and behold he's got five touchdowns on the season he looks really really good in a limited role but he's making the most of it so uh, I like how they opened it up in the third quarter and something I told you guys about and talked about before was in 2019 the Raiders only scored 27 points in the third quarter for the whole stinking season for 16 games they've already scored 41 points through eight games so that's a much better job of adjustments that they're making at halftime. I hope Gruden and Olsen now have full confidence in Derek Carr quarterback and the deep ball because a couple of those deep passes, the one to Aguilar and it's probably like two feet short, but it landed on Aguilar's shoulder. He got help from Aguilar with a great snatch. The the throw on the run, yes. like 50 plus yards to Renfro, that was sick. That was pretty. That was, that was absolutely pretty. And he and he told him, hey, keep running. Keep running. I got you. And so when he rolled out and did that, and that's the kind of improvisation that we've wanted to see for the longest from Derek Carr. Use your legs. Move the pocket. Keep plays alive. And he's doing that. He's doing that multiple times. You know, he, he had the run down by the end zone where he jumped over the defender. I mean, he's getting back into that 2016 form, and I hate to go back to that, but he's getting back to that guy where he doesn't mind kind of putting his body in harm's risk, and he's doing anything he can for the team to succeed. And so being able to move the pocket and get a guy that's sure-handed like Hunter Renfro on the run behind the defensive back and just drop it on the dime. People say Derek Carr doesn't have a strong arm and he can't throw a deep ball. That's not real. That's that's false. That's, that's bad information. The problem is that it hasn't been dialed up enough, and now you're starting to see them open it up more. And if they ever get Henry Ruggs involved too, man, this offense could really, really get explosive. How do they do that? And is it play calling or is it a little bit of rugs, you know, not being exactly ready for the NFL? I think it's a combination of everything. You know, I really do. If you go back, and I'm a big Alabama fan. I enjoy watching them because I feel like that's a bunch of NFL players you're watching. Um, he was doing a lot of slants. He was doing a lot of crossing patterns. He was doing a lot of wide receiver screens, bubble passes, quick hitters. He wasn't really the deep ball guy, you know. And and when the Raiders drafted him, I didn't think you were going to see them always chucking the ball deep, trying to get him, uh, you know, over the top all the time. But that's kind of where they've been going, trying to get him over the top. And then if they're not going deep with him – they're not really doing a whole lot. You did see an end around uh, with them on a, on a jet sweep. I mean, with them on on Sunday against the Chargers, picked up you know a first down. That's great, but he's got to just have the ball in his hands more often. Uh, John Gruden said that that's their Tyreek Hill. They got him to be similar to Tyreek Hill. Well, you got a blueprint on how to use Tyreek Hill. You see it twice a year with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's what they've got to do. They can't just settle and say, hey, he's just going to go deep. He's going to run nine routes. He's going to run post.
post routes. He's just got to get the ball in his hands. I'd love to see some slants, and I'd love to see some crossing patterns and see him run away from guys because that's what he is. He's that guy that he's like a car at the at the red light when you know that you're trying to get over and you speed up, and then all of a sudden you realize that you're not going to be able to outrun that car, and you just kind of slow it on down and get behind him. <laughs> yeah, he is that guy. Let's, uh, let's talk the running game, but the guys who help the running game. We got updates on Ingold, Incognito, and uh, Big Trent. Uh, the last thing I heard on Ingold was that they're dealing with his rib injury. They're kind of concerned about it. So anytime the Raiders say they're concerned about an injury, usually it's not that great. I, I just gut feeling feels like he's probably going to miss this week, but that's just, you know, the injury report's not out. We'll find out about that uh, tomorrow. And then, you know, the offensive lineman, Colton Miller, dealing with that ankle sprain. He missed his first game uh, ever in his career on Sunday, and Brandon Parker did a really good job filling in for him. So uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be back yet or not, but uh, I, I'm pretty happy with what I saw from Brandon Parker filling in for Trent Brown at the right tackle position one week and then flipping over to the left tackle position the next week. He's done a really good job. Uh, Trent Brown, he's going to be out for at least a month. That's what was reported over the weekend, and John Gruden said that he has no new report on him. So I I, I feel like Trent Brown's career is coming to a close with the Raiders, and uh, I just kind of hope he – well, I don't kind of hope. I hope he gets healthy for himself personally, not worried about him on the football field. I've kind of already – just accepted the fact that he's not going to be available for the Raiders. Just get healthy as a, as a man and be okay. Broncos this weekend, what does the Raiders defense have to fear most about the Broncos offense? Um, I think the fact that Drew Locke is able to move around. You know what I mean? He, he's one of these guys that's able to move the pocket around, uh, something that, like I mentioned, that Raider Nation has been asking for Derek Carr to do, and so he'll keep some plays alive. Now, I will say the Raiders' defense has been better at getting pressure on quarterbacks when they do move around and move the pocket around, so maybe that will play into their hand, but I just think that Drew Locke is, is a pretty good quarterback, and he's got some decent weapons around him. Uh, the secondary for the Raiders, if they get Trayvon Mullen back, that'll be a help, but Jerry Judy, the rookie obviously out of Alabama as well he's a really good wide receiver they've got some pieces there a lot of guys are injured right now uh, but they, they've got some pieces so I just think that they need to find a way to make sure that they can get some pressure on the quarterback regardless if he's in the pocket or outside of the pocket and then just be careful on, on, on the back end because the secondary has been suspect for the Raiders Thank you. Good job, man. We'll talk to you next week. So there it is. There it was. Uh, always a pleasure to be on ESPN Las Vegas with Cofield and Company. I think they do a really good job. And uh, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for long enough knows that that's the end-all, be-all goal for me. Definitely want to end up on ESPN Las Vegas and just really blessed that, uh, you know, being on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM gives me the opportunity for them to want me to be on the show with them. So it's, it's always a lot of fun. So uh, many thanks to Steve Cofield and Company for having me on each and every Tuesday. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I want to talk about a couple of great sponsors here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. And the first one is Built Bar. And uh, Built Bar is back. They're new and improved. And they're not new because they've been around for a while, but they are improved. And they had 12 flavors originally. Now they have 18 flavors. They've added six new ones. Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheese, cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and they have 12 originals. And you're probably saying, well, wait a minute. What is Built Bar? Maybe you're a new booty and you want to know what Built Bar is. It's a protein bar. The thing is, though, it doesn't taste like a protein bar. It tastes like, well, a chocolate candy bar because they're 100% covered in chocolate. They're really good for you. And again, they're good tasting. And that's most important. A lot of people talk about they're going to have a protein bar before they go work out. And it tastes like chalk. It tastes like, you know, just sand or, or rocks. And who wants to do that? But 
Built Bars are really, really good. Uh, a lot of great flavors, like I mentioned, uh, 18 total. If you go to the website, BuiltBar.com, you can check them out and uh, choose the ones that you prefer. Again, they've been around for quite a while. I've talked about them for quite a while. Uh, Coconut Almond was one that I was a big fan of, but there are so many different ones that you could choose from. Just go to BuiltBar.com, check them out. They're great for the healthy, conscious person. Bars are low-calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and they're even great for the keto diet. So go check them out again, BuiltBar.com. While you're there, if you find something you like, uh, use the promo code LOCKEDON when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. I also wanted to tell you about one of the title sponsors here on the Locked On Raiders podcast, and that is Sahara Las Vegas. Very excited about Sahara Las Vegas. Myself and the wife, we're going to be spending a few days there at the end of November. Matter of fact, November 21st, you can come hang out with us at Sahara Las Vegas. We're going to be there from 9 to 11 p.m. at the Cast Bar Lounge. We're going to be hanging out, talking some Raiders, having a couple drink specials, you know, maybe recording a couple podcasts, just having a good time. Of course, we're going to do it safely. I mean, everything we've got to be very cautious about in these days but uh, still would like to you know shake a couple hands maybe give a couple fist bumps to some Raider Nation who listens to the podcast on a daily and happens to be in Vegas for the Kansas City Chiefs game which is that weekend on the 22nd but Sahara Las Vegas is a great place to stay and of course with the Raiders being there there's never been a better time to get away to Vegas you don't want this season to go by regardless if there's fans at Allegiant Stadium or not you don't want the season to go by without being a part of history the best place to stay in Vegas and show your fandom is definitely at Sahara Las Vegas. It has all the best places to watch the games. It has awesome drink specials, a sports book to place your bets, an exciting casino action with slots, table games, and an all-new poker room. So there's plenty of restaurants, plenty of bars to choose from. Get locked in for the remaining games and get your exclusive locked-on deal. Stay at Sahara and get 50% off your hotel stay Sunday through Thursday and 20% off stays Friday and Saturday. Book now. SaharaLasVegas.com slash LockedOnRaiders and mention code LOR. 50. That's saharalasvegas.com slash lockdown Raiders code LOR50 to stay at the best place to watch and enjoy the games. Of course, it's Sahara Las Vegas. Segment number three is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your time to shine, your calls, your texts, even a couple tweets straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693 and Twitter at your boy Q254. And let's go ahead and start things off with a tweet. How about at jsmith92510 aka Smitty. He says, hey Q, question for the Locked On Raiders podcast. I have a feeling that Gruden is holding back on rugs and will possibly unleash him Sunday against the Broncos or the Chiefs the following week. The Broncos because Jerry Judy comes to town and Gruden would like to show the critics he made the right pick in Henry Ruggs. Or he could be waiting for the Chiefs game. Maybe I'm reaching. But Gruden seems like the type to not show his full hand playbook, especially when he knows he still has to face the Chiefs again. That's why we haven't seen some of the similar routes Ruggs ran in college that he was successful at being incorporated in the offensive game plan yet. The fact that Ruggs was injured for some time allowed Gruden to find ways to be successful while slowly easing him back in the lineup. Let's not forget, Gruden showed us a peak in the first game of the season against the Panthers, how he planned on using Ruggs, in which he got injured. So Gruden is handling him with kid gloves a little bit. Come Sunday, the gloves could come off. Do you think I'm reaching on the use of Ruggs? That's from Smitty. And then at the end of the tweet, and I just now noticed this, and shame on me, Smitty says he's a new booty. Hashtag new booty, so... 
gotta sound the alarm, and this is backwards, man. I'm supposed to be sounding the alarm before I give the message. Damn it, Smitty. All you had to do is put hashtag new booty at the beginning, and we'd have been good. But thank you so much for the tweet, man. I definitely appreciate you. A lot of thought goes into what you're thinking about, about Henry Ruggs and the way that the Raiders are using him. And you may have, you know, a little something, something. You may be onto something a little bit. When it comes to Henry Ruggs, I just think that what John Gruden wants him to do, and he kind of alluded to it a little bit in the press conference, Henry Ruggs needs to learn how to get his uh, feet inbounds. I think he also needs to learn how to get off of press coverage. I think he's getting a welcome to the NFL moment. He's not 100% like ready to just jump into the NFL and take over. Like When Amari Cooper came to the Raiders from Alabama, he was already a product that you felt like was very, very close to finished. He wasn't quite as strong. You know, he got a little bit stronger a little bit later, but he was already kind of a a, a well-oiled um, machine. He was already ready to go, and that's why he was able to show out early on. I think Henry Ruggs is going to learn the NFL and maybe a little bit slower developing. He's going to have to learn how to get off of press coverage, learn how to get both feet inbounds, learn how to beat guys on one-on-one coverage. He's going to have to learn how to use what he has, his skills, to beat the defender. And so I think that's some of it. I also think that the Raiders need to, and maybe they are waiting until this weekend and, and may, or maybe the, the following weekend against the Chiefs, to show some of the slant routes, to show some of the um, – you know, the crossing patterns, to see some of the end arounds, the, you know, the jet sweep, stuff like that. Maybe, I don't think that's really most of it. I think most of it is Henry Ruggs learning the NFL game and then John Gruden trusting him to execute it and Derek Carr trusting him as well. I think that's really where it comes from, but that's, that's really all I got for you. So uh, thank you so much for that uh, tweet. I definitely appreciate you. Uh, next up is a text from Diego. From the 916 at Sacramento, California, he says, Sup, Q? It's Diego from the 916. I got one thing to say and one thing only. Air quotes, walk off chicken parm. And then he had some smiley faces. Chargers Twitter really crapped their pants with that one. And uh, that's from Diego from the 916. Anyone who doesn't know, as soon as it looked like that the, uh, the Chargers caught that ball in the end zone by their very extremely tall tight end, Number 89, uh, Donald Parham. He's six foot eight, 237 pounds. Uh, he's a one-year guy in the league. Uh, they put out a tweet, and that's what it said on the tweet, uh, walk-off chicken parm. And, well, we all know the end result. We all know that it was overturned, and he didn't make the catch. And so they actually tweeted that out. So they probably should have waited a couple seconds, but they didn't. So that's what Diego's talking right there. And, yeah, that was pretty funny uh, when I saw that. It was like, yeah, maybe not so much. Maybe you should have waited a second or two before you got to that. But the one thing I've noticed about NFL and their social media pages, like all the accounts across the league, all 32 teams for the most part are kind of, man, they're kind of savages these days. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's you've got to be super like cutthroat on Twitter, but if you notice, man, even back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I, I mean like is like maybe two, three years ago, you didn't see people tweeting out or teams tweeting out, we've cut so-and-so or we've released so-and-so. Uh, I remember the Carolina Panthers, it really stood out to me when they cut Cam Newton. It was like, uh, we have released Cam Newton. I'm like, damn, those are savages. That's some college type stuff. You know what I mean? But uh, it's just that's what goes on now on the social media pages, on Twitter pages uh, for for NFL accounts. And I know it's not the literally team. I know they have a social media team, but man, it just seems like they just go for the jugular. And uh, so when they put that out, they were probably feeling really good about themselves. Walk off chicken parm. Yeah. Not so much. That didn't really work out too much for you. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Diego, for that text. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, next up, I got a call, but I got to gotta sound the alarm. This call is from Charlie Bo. I like to call him Charlie Bo. His name is actually just Charlie. Uh, he's a new booty. 
He's calling to talk about the win that the Raiders had on Sunday against the Chargers, how the Raiders got it, and, well, again, what his thoughts on it. Here he is, Charlie, a.k.a. a new booty, a.k.a. Charlie Bo. My name is Charlie. I'm a new booty. And, man, that was a close game. Our defense almost let us down. Car played a heck of a game. He stepped up, ran the ball well, threw the ball, stretched out the field, and made that beautiful pass to Renfro. But anyways, we got the W, and that's all that matters. Just win, baby. There he is. Good call right there from my guy, Charlie Bowen. Funny, the reason I call him that is because I had a homeboy back in the day when I went to Ohlone. Um, Me, Corey, my man, Donye, we all went to uh, Ohlone. We played basketball and played dominoes with a dude that it, we called him Charlie Bo, which actually was short for Charlie Boy. But, you know, it is what it is anyway. So that's why uh, Charlie's probably thinking, like, why is this dude calling me Charlie Bo? My middle name is not Bo. No, it's not. It's just... That's just what we, you know, that's just what we do, man. And so when you said your name was Charlie and you were a new booty, all I could think of my boy, Charlie Bo. So anyway, getting back to your call and getting back to the game. And thank you so much for that call. I appreciate you. Uh, There was lots to like. There was things not to like. Uh, I don't think, as you heard in segment number two, I don't think the game should have been as close as it was. I really don't. I think the Raiders had opportunities to go in and step on the neck of the Chargers, and they didn't really do it. I also think they had opportunities to, to get them off the field, and they didn't do it, especially on, like, third and long. But either way you look at it, like you said at the end of your call, just win, baby, and that's ultimately all that matters. They found a way to win. They're 5-3 and three on the season, uh, and they have eight games left. You know, and, and like I said on a Tuesday show, I expect them to be in the playoffs. I think that, you know, they should expect to be in the playoffs. Nothing's going to be guaranteed, but they should still see on their schedule that, hey, there's five wins that we can go get, and we need to go get it, so we make sure that we make it to the playoffs. So uh, hopefully they're all on the same page, and hopefully at the end of the season, whenever the season wraps up, uh, Raider Nation is very happy by what they saw from the 2020 Las Vegas Raiders. Next up is a text from J.C. Raider out of Ogden, Utah. He says, Q, J.C. Raider out of Ogden, Utah. I have a question for Raider Nation. Is Carr becoming an elite quarterback? It seems to me he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, and I like it. I think he's finally taking that step we've been waiting for. What do you think? That's from J.C. Raider in Ogden, Utah. I don't know if he's becoming elite. I don't think that Derek Carr has to be elite, to be 100% honest with you. I think Derek Carr just has to understand and embrace what John Gruden wants him to do, be in charge of that offense, and know how to get his team in and out of not just the huddles, but also get him in and out of good or bad plays. If it's a bad play and he recognizes it, like you hear him at the line of scrimmage all the time, we good, we good, we good. Or else he'll say, kill, kill, kill. Kill, kill, kill. And then he'll go to something else. You know what I mean? Like he recognizes what the defense uh, is doing and he's able to put himself and put the team in position to succeed, even if it's just a three yard gain on the ground. But instead of a possible five yard loss or, you know, something that's going to go for nothing, he sees it there. So I don't think that Derek Carr needs to be elite. I don't think he'll ever be elite. I just think that he'll be who he is. And I think he has a potential to be really stinking good. And I think he has a potential to lead this team to really good places, especially if he does what he's been doing lately, which is move the pocket with his legs, you know, be a little bit mobile, be a little bit more athletic, be uh, the guy that you were prior to, you know, busting your ankle up in 2016, be that guy. And this team could go as far as you help them get. And then of course the defense has to do their job as well. So uh, I hope that answers your question. I don't think he's ever going to be elite, but he doesn't have to be. He could just be really good and still win a whole lot of games and take the Raiders where they need to be. Rich Gannon was never elite. He had an MVP season for the Raiders, but he was never elite. 
but he was really stinking good and knew what John Gruden wanted him to do. So I think that that's really the most important part. Thank you so much for that text. Appreciate you. Uh, next up is a tweet, and it's going to kind of close out the show today from my guy Raider Rock in Seoul, Korea. He says, Q, Raider Rock. I don't know if I can take too many more of these games. Having Isaiah Johnson on the field was great. I was wondering why he wasn't getting time over Keyshawn Nixon, who's a nice guy, but also getting burnt on TV all the time. I heard Johnson had to replace Mullen, which is not good news, but it was good to see him come up big when he got the time. Hope all those injured are able to come back to the field soon, especially Alec Ingold and Mullen. P.S. Someone tell Carr to wear a glove at all times, please. That's from Raider Rock in Seoul, Korea. Thank you so much for that tweet, my man. I appreciate you. Uh, Isaiah Johnson was nice. He had his moments. He, he wasn't just lights out. And he wasn't locked down. You know, but he had his moments and showed that he can he has room to grow and could be really, really good. Keyshawn Nixon has been banged up a little bit. And, and uh, when he was in the game, he was there for a little bit. And then he got hurt again. He hurt his groin, so he went out. But Keyshawn Nixon has had moments. So I don't really have a problem with Keyshawn Nixon. I think the, the guy that uh, is the bigger liability as far as the secondary goes is uh, Nevin Lawson. Nevin Lawson is the guy that you really got to concern yourself about. And then again, like you mentioned, hopefully Mullen is able to come back. He's dealing with a hamstring injury, and those could be tricky for guys like him real muscly guys you know those those real uh, twitchy guys like what coaches like to say those twitchy guys they get a hamstring injury man it could last for a while because you don't want to rush them back because they could do some serious damage Alec Ingold he's dealing with a, a rib injury I'm not sure if he's coming back anytime soon John Gruden said that they're concerned about it usually that means he's going to miss some times but they do have options if Alec Ingold's going to be out maybe they can uh, you know put together a three tight end set they can use Jason Witten they can use Foster Moreau obviously Darren Waller is going to be out there uh, they have Derek Carrier I mean those are four tight ends that they could use they could put a guy in the in the fullback slash halfback type situation so they can make things happen if Ingold's going to be out hopefully he's not but you just don't know so uh, those are options that the Raiders have so thank you so much for that definitely appreciate you appreciate all the calls and texts and uh, we'll get to more on tomorrow's show uh, tomorrow is Thursday so we'll have the crossover edition Cody Rourke host of uh, Locked On Broncos they're next up on the schedule and he hit me up already and was like Q you ready to knock this out Yep. So we're going to do that. We'll knock it out on tomorrow's show. And uh, you'll hear all things Denver Broncos, where they're at right now and where they're sitting in the AFC West, how they compare to the Raiders coming up this Sunday uh, at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So that'll come up on tomorrow's show. Plus, we'll have more news and notes of the day. Hopefully, we'll have the injury report and we'll be able to tell you and I'll be able to tell you uh, about these guys and where they are right now. But uh, that'll all come up on Thursday's show. So thank you so much for uh, all the support. Appreciate you all the time. Veterans, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Salute to you. Thank you for all that you done and also want to shout out Sahara Las Vegas before I get out of here it is the best place to stay play and watch the game with exclusive locked on offers at saharalasvegas.com slash locked on Raiders book your stay with an exclusive locked on offer all you got to do is go to saharalasvegas.com slash locked on Raiders offer code LOR 50 have a great day take care of yourself take care of your family most importantly Raider Nation as always just win baby